Welcome to Future Perspectives, the Locarno Film Festival podcast presented by UBS. I'm your host, Gabby Sanderson, and I'm here to talk with international film stars, upcoming talent, and industry game changers. Over the Future Perspectives series, you will discover secret stories and inspiring perspectives on the future of cinema, culture, and society. So let's begin. This is Future Perspectives. Matt Dillon, welcome to Future Perspectives, the Locarno Film Festival podcast. Great to have you sat opposite me in yeah. Locarno. Well, it's great to be here. There's been very few years between 1979 and now where you haven't released work, which makes me wonder, have you ever had the fear of where your next job is coming from, which a uh, lot of... How about every day? <laughs> it's every okay. actor. I mean, I remember Jack Lemmon saying right. that one time. He said, an actor's life, man, is always that, that sense of insecurity where the next job is going to come. And then you hear yeah. Jack Lemmon say it, and you go, okay, so I'm not alone on this. If Jack Lemon feels that way, it must be all of us. You know? Right, right. Yeah, I hear it a lot. Just when I was looking at your back catalogue of work, I was like, this guy's never not been... Yeah, you have to work. We have to work. It's what we do. I'm an actor. I have to act. If uh, Sometimes you have to kind of take a leap of faith. It's always a roll of the dice if the movie's going to work or not, but... You know, sometimes it's not a job, and that's when it's great, when you're working with a filmmaker with a vision and you're doing something, and that's really great. Mm. Um, but sometimes it's a job, and you just got to get back to work, and you go, okay, it's coming up on a year, mm. and this film <laughs> came in, and they want to pay me, and I'm going to go here, and let's give it a run. Yeah, let's do it. Let's give it a shot. Right, yeah. right. Congratulations on receiving the Lifetime Achievement Award. Yeah, I guess that means uh, I'm officially an old guy now. <laughs> you know? I mean, absolutely not. But like, <laughs> one can't help but reflect on one's career, I'm sure, when you get awarded yeah. something like that, right? Yeah, of course. And, you know, I mean, I've been in this business for a long time because I started at a very young age. So, yeah. So, you know, it's nice to be able to. Um, reflect mm. without sounding too much like a therapist what came up for you <laughs> wow well you know some experiences that were really great they're memories you can recall quite easily there's a feeling that you have where you really feel alive when you're doing when people they joke and they say oh i'm living the dream you know yeah and, and you kind of are so you you know in this case, one of the films that I screened, uh, we screened yesterday, was City of Ghosts, which is a film that I made in, I was over 20, 20 years, years ago. ago came yeah. out in 2003. Yeah. And we filmed it and shot it almost entirely in Cambodia. It took seven years to get the film made. And, uh, you know, and this was something that was really born out of a very simple idea. Yeah. Well, maybe it wasn't so much simple, but it was brief. In the beginning, it was an idea. And... Mm -hmm. You know, you start to imagine it, you start to build it, you, you develop it, you create it. I'm Barry Gifford was my writing partner in the beginning, and it's like two guys in a room working yeah. out a story idea, yeah. you know, two people there. And you asked about what did it bring up for me? Well, mm -hmm. I remember, for example, when I was in Cambodia, we were, before we began the official schedule of shooting, we, we were doing some scouting and we were going to do a little bit of B-roll filming 
at the top of this very, very challenging location we had, which was on the top of a mountain called Bokor. And this was a location that we knew was going to be our toughest location because we needed to rebuild roads and bridges and all kinds of things. And we had to do landmine clearance up there because it had been recently a zone where the, the Khmer Rouge had been at that point. And when we went up there, we were scouting the region. It was before we were officially shooting, but I remember getting up at like five in the morning because, or maybe even earlier, mm -hmm. to get in the Pajeros and drive up this mountain with these this old laterite, you know, road, this winding road with the old... Yeah. And it was... Mad. For the me, view. I was in heaven, man. Yeah. I was like, wow, we're doing it. We're really doing this thing. And, that, and I remember that. And that was a feeling I had this kind of restorative feeling of a hard day's work, but we accomplished something, mm, you know. This that, is why I do what I do. Exactly, mm. exactly. And then one day I remember the production manager came up to me and he said, you know, because we had finished early, which we never did. And, and he was like, see, this is the way you're supposed to do it. You know, you're supposed to. And I was thinking, it's no, it's actually mm. the opposite. I want <laughs> right. to get, I want to get more done in a day. You right. know, I, I'm not, I, I have to say it is uncivilized sometimes the way we work in the film business, you know, long hours, etc. But you definitely don't want to compromise the vision of, of what you're doing. Mm, you know? I mean, yeah, some of them, some of the projects can be a real genuine labor of love, you know, yeah. that take years. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. What about going, going right back to the first scene you ever shot can in, you remember it in a film yeah. yeah okay yeah 1978 over the edge was my first film and, and the scene uh, the scene well the first shot was not much of a scene i was riding uh like a bike i was riding a bicycle and uh and we were we were being tr uh it was a tracking shot but i think they were using a golf cart you know to, to <laughs> Right. And because I would get way ahead and we'd get, you know, they'd lose the focus. So they tied a, a rope to the back of the golf cart so, I would keep, so they could keep me at the right distance for yes. focus reasons. That was it. And then, you know, that, that was the first day. And it was, uh, you really didn't know much. It seemed like, yeah, it was like yeah, a big until the second day. carnival. Well, yeah, it was, it was never a piece of cake. It was kind of easy, you know. There were things that came easy and things that didn't for mm. me. Especially at that age, because I was 14 years old doing the first film. We were all a bunch of kids playing these juvenile delinquents. Mm. And, you know, I have to say, the adults, the crew, when you're a kid, they don't treat you the same way as when you're an adult. You know, everybody's protecting their department, so they want you to hit that mark exactly. You know, in fact, it would be in the best interest of the performance and the film sometimes to not worry about that. Right. You know? I, I hear you loud and clear there, Matt. Yeah, yeah. freedom is more important, you know, to that, that kind of thing. Amen to that. What about receiving a script and then just not putting it down? Is the one that springs mm. to mind where you were like, oh, this is my part, this is mine. Well, you know, they say you make a movie three times. You make it when you write it, then you make it when you shoot it, and then you make it when you edit it. Now, as an actor, we're only coming in, and then we're doing our thing, and then we split, you know, mm -hmm. and then we're out of there. But when, yeah, when you're a director, you've got to see it through there. And But so as an actor, yeah, there were scripts that I read that were great, and the movie 
didn't quite work. Of course, that's because I wasn't in it. Uh, <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> but, you know, of the films that I've done, um, for example, when I did There's Something About Mary, yeah, that was a funny script. It was <laughs> it a was. funny script. It was a funny movie. It, every step of the way, it kind of, that just felt like this was going to be a winner. This yeah. is going to be funny. Was this it really fun funny. on set? Just, do you have a the, blast? It was fun making it. Mm. It was, you know, we all had fun. It was a great atmosphere making the film. And the script was incredibly funny. And the character was great. And so sometimes that happens. And that was a case where it was all kind of came together. It was a winner from the beginning. Yeah. You know, and then there's the ones you're, you're not really sure about. I did the, this film, The House That Jack Built, with Lars von Trier. And that's a dark that's movie. That's a very different type of movie. A very different type of movie. <clears throat> but the script was like no other script I'd read. Yeah. Very engaging, but also very, it felt like a very risky, you know, it was sort of a scary, the movie's dark subject matter, and also the very fact that we were going there. Yeah. It was also kind of scary. Was it, did it take its toll on, I'm thinking like mental health wise, to sort of, could you shrug it off when you got home, or was that kind of the weight of the yeah. character? Sort yeah, of? of course, thankfully I uh, yeah, thankfully. <laughs> but you know, also we're we're actors, man. I, I mean, know. I remember but... I spoke to Bruno Gans, who's a, this was a wonderful actor. Unfortunately, he's no longer with us. A Swiss actor, and he was in the film with me. Great, great actor. And he had done a film where he played Adolf Hitler, and you know, I'm playing Jack in the house that Jack built. It was pretty evil, and uh, not pretty evil. Very Absolutely evil. evil. Yeah, Terrifying. I mean that's the point. Yeah. That's the point of the film. In yeah. A way. So, and he was like, "No, you know." I asked him about his experience with it. There were days when making that film were tough because of what I can think what of was one happening. that you've said in the past. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. And those were difficult. But the feeling I have to say was on the set, and other actors who worked with Lars, like Willem Dafoe, who I spoke with, and Stellan Skarsgård, all told me, no, no, you know, the atmosphere is not dark. And I found that to be true. Mm -hmm. It was a very creatively fulfilling atmosphere. All the, the, the people that were working with him were, had worked with him multiple times. And he's a very inventive filmmaker. So there was this kind of, excitement about just the process of it you know the process of making the film and mm. this is what i got excited about mm. you know where this was not uh, you know just some sort of cookie cutter operation this was like we're gonna do things differently we do do things differently mm -hmm. and that's what i enjoyed we never rehearsed once you know never once not once did we rehearse and that was a that was a leap of faith. That was a trust that was developed between you know myself and Lars, and and there was never rehearsal, and and what that does is it frees you up from your own mind, from your own ideas, and because I've always felt creatively that my my um, my mistakes are better than my ideas. Oh, you okay, know? yeah. So if I can get out of my head then I can really do something that's maybe really mm. worthwhile were you, you know? nervous about when it was getting ready to be released about the reception were you like oh I was nervous about seeing it in fact so yeah. I, I remembered on that with that film going oh do I really want to see this so Bruno Gans with the two of us had so much stuff that was off camera dialogue um that we both came back to Copenhagen to do all the uh 
kind of the voiceover stuff, mm -hmm. the conversation off camera. And uh, I was unable to watch the film because I had I had to get back to Italy and do something in Rome. And mm -hmm. fortunately, because Lars immediately grabbed me when he got there, he said, you have to watch the film with me. And I was like, and I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> but I was really like looking for a way out. And fortunately, I felt at the time, I was like, well, you know, I'm not going to be able to see it. I have to leave. And, yeah, oh, but yeah. then I promised him I would watch it on my way back to the States. I would stop off. I would go sit and watch the film with him. And I did. You know, I did. I came back. But when I was in Rome, I called Bruno uh, Gans and I said, hey, what did you think? Because he watched the film. And he was really, his reaction, I was surprised. He said, it's the most interesting thing I've ever seen. He said, I said really? That's an interesting reaction, you know. Mm. And he said, I think, I think you'll be proud. It's a good film. I like it very much. And so I, when I went back, I watched the film. And I sat with Lars and I watched the two of us. And he looked at me at the end and I said, and I, I liked it. And right. I told him. And he looked at me and he said, you do? And I was like, oh, no. Now he's going to change everything. He's going to change it and make it worse because he wants everybody to react. You know, he's a bit of a provocateur. So, yeah. But, you know, that was, uh, yeah. It, and it is what, you know, he would say, just blame me. I said, don't worry, I will. <laughs> so um, you are such a highly respected actor, and I don't know how much you read comments on social media, but obviously doing my research, I had to kind of go down a bit of a rabbit hole. And, and um, I, I've actually bookmarked some comments from that uh -oh, I got from uh -oh. YouTube and I just thought this Say would be Say anything really, about me as really long as it's not true. <laughs> I thought this would be really fun to like share some with you because there's some really amazing comments. So uh -oh. do you want me to or not? Well, you you'd be the okay. judge of that. Okay, all right. But well, nothing let's, don't don't let let's yeah. Okay. All right, well let's I go. might just take the plead well, the fifth. Okay, let's see. Uh, well, let's go, because we were talking about The House That Jack Built. This guy seriously deserves an Oscar nomination for his performance in The House That Jack Built. He's that great and believable. He brought the right amount of charm and range to bring this psychotic character to life. In my opinion, his work on this film is one of his top best performances of the year. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. Okay, that's good. I love you, Matt Dillon. Best actor of my generation. Interesting, intelligent, and inspiring. Aww. Okay. Matt is a man of few words. He seems to be the kind of person that we perceive him to be, dark and brooding, and someone who marches to the beat of his own drum. Matt is one of the best actors of his generation whose body of work is something that he can be proud of thus far. Well, those are all really nice They're things. lovely, aren't they? Yeah, that's very nice. I mean, I, I don't know if I'm that man, a man of that few words. <laughs> Well, I know, yeah, but, speaking to you now, I'm like, I don't know if that's true either, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I like a good conversation. Yeah, there's plenty more, but, um, you know, usually there's a lot of trolls and all that stuff, and it just, yeah. everything was just so in admiration and lovely, and oh. I thought, I've got to share this. Um, okay, well, let's go to, you've spent quite a lot of time in Europe. What is it about this part of the world that you are drawn to? Well, yeah... Um I feel strong connection in Europe. I mean, Europe is like such a diverse mm. continent. I mean, you know, to say Europe, you have Denmark and then you've got, you know, Sicily or Greece, you know, it's, it's, they're, they're wildly different. 
maybe that's the charm. Yeah, it is true. And you can be anywhere. In Europe, look, you can be anywhere in a couple hours, you know, and it's kind of nice. What about European films? Um, this is a quote that I pulled that you said a couple of years ago to The Guardian. European films tend to be a little more open to interpretation. This falls on the speculative side of things. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Well, I think it's kind of true, but I think... In general, I mean, there are there are filmmakers in the United States who certainly are making films that are, let's say, let's say the narrative is somewhat speculative. We're not really sure. There's a mystery about what's really going on. Mm. Where I think uh, some some famous philosopher one time said um, the greatest gulf in philosophy is the English Channel, and it really was because of that because. Continental philosophy yeah. is more speculative by nature, and in the English-speaking world, uh, things are more pragmatic. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know much about philosophy, but I thought it was interesting, and I thought it was applicable to filmmaking. Mm. You know, certainly. I mean, if you see a, a film from the UK or from the United States, eh, stories tend to be a little more. I want to say resolved somehow. The the from the UK. The denouement. Yeah, I think in the English speaking world in general, whether it's the United States, the UK, right. Australia. Right. Ah, I see what you're saying. Yes, where, yeah. You yeah. know, in Europe you have Godard and you have a lot you have a lot of films mm. and filmmakers who are doing stuff that's um and when I say speculative, I'm talking about the narrative, yeah. the structure of the story yeah. and the way of telling a story. Yes. And I like that. I think that's really important. And and bringing it full circle to Locarno, I feel there's a lot of that being showcased here. Have you been to Locarno before? Have you? Yeah, I was here. My God, I hate to even think. It was definitely over. I think it was over 25 years ago. I was with Gus Van Sant, who I had done drugstore cowboy with and to die for. And he uh, invited me. He asked me to come. I think he was here bringing to die for here. And w what I remember from it was the enormous venues for screening films. I mean, bigger than I've seen anywhere. The Piazza Grande, I've never seen anything no. like it. And, and even some of the other venues yeah. are quite large. And the audiences are great here. Mm. I mean, yesterday we screened City of Ghosts, which was the first film that I made, and they, did, they, they brought over 35-millimeter print. Which was great, you know, it was to see it in celluloid, you know, see it on celluloid. Yeah. I hadn't for so long. And the audiences, I mean, people have been coming up to me, you know. It was as if the film was made yesterday. And because people, you know, not everybody saw the film when it came out or experienced it then. Mm. And, uh, you know, people really are, in, in, in Locarno, they really are film lovers here mm. that come to this festival. It's one of the better ones, you know. Mm. Yeah. Matt Dillon, thank you so much for chatting to me today. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. Pleasure is mine. Thank Aww. you. Thank you. In Nashville for six years. How was so. that? I might end up working there at some point. In Nashville, do you like country music? I like the old stuff. I the like, old, old country. Yeah, yeah. I like Western yeah. Swing. Yeah. Bob Wills. I like, you know, Patsy Cline. So much music that I love. Thank you for listening to Future Spectives, the Locarno Film Festival podcast presented by UBS. 
If you enjoyed this episode, you can support Future Perspectives with your review and subscribe on all the major podcast platforms. This series is created and produced by Brand Audio Media.